Pentecost Sunday is from the Gospel of John in chapter 7, starting in the 37th verse. As you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading. On the last day of the festival of tabernacles, the great day which, while Jesus was standing, there he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. And as the Scriptures has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the Spirit which believers in him were to receive, for as yet there was no Spirit, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Do you believe that God is at work supernaturally on this Pentecost day as he was on that first Pentecost? Do you believe that God is at work supernaturally in this city, in this state, in our nation, in our world, in your life today? It's hard sometimes for us to accept the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in this age of skepticism. But even God's creation itself reminds us of God's activity. In fact, we'll talk about this this morning, that we have a God who intervenes. I read or heard a piece on our earth and that 200 now 200 some conditions are required and maybe more for life to be sustained on a planet that the odds against life in our solar system and even in our universe are staggering and yet here we are taking a deep breath and say Conditions like a nearby planet like Jupiter taking on that gravitational pull of all those asteroids, as one author put it, so that we don't become a a dartboard of asteroids here on Earth. Just those little things that we can read in our science textbooks to discover the staggering reality of the gift of life, that God's hand was a part of every step of the way of our creation and of our forming and his intervention for us continues today. It's hard not to see God's hand and testimony in science. It's even possible to see God's hand and testimony in the testimony of the Pentecost witnesses. Let me tell you what I mean. I mean, have you ever thought about The fact that it's amazing that we're still here today, 2,000 years later, talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and of a sermon by this fisherman by the name of Peter. I mean, think about it. They, They were mostly uneducated young men. They didn't have a big communication plan. There wasn't a portfolio set before them with a budget 
an infrastructure to get the word out. Think about the music industry and the entertainment industry. I had a student whose band became very successful and sold platinum and gold albums. And for years leading up to the release of their first album, the label spent time nurturing them and and preparing them and helping them, uh, even paying them to rehearse. And then hours in the studio, and then a whole team of publicists to get the album ready, both for the internet and the radio stations that they had networks for all across the nation and even into Europe. And then not only that, then they had engineers to engineer just the right sound so it would be heard and welcomed. And then indeed they were successful. They sold thousands of albums. But even with all of that, we still don't remember, I bet, if I challenged you right now, what song was number one on the charts 20 years ago this week? Come on, anybody have a guess? Well, in case you're not quite sure, it was M.M. Bop by Hanson. 20 years ago this week. But you know, with all those publicists and all that help that the entertainment industry possesses, we can't even remember something from 20 years ago. And yet here today, we are confessing the truth of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And God used 12 unknown guys Poor, no budget, no medium other than the Roman roads to carry it by. And yet that message has not been forgotten. These 12 apostles were just simple tax collectors, fishermen, trained by their parents and their family vocation and having spent time with Jesus. And yet somehow we still bear witness to this message that goes on today. It is not forgotten, unlike those pop hits. Speaking about this to a skeptical audience in Westminster Chapel, who, where he'd served for 30 years as Pastor Martin Lloyd said this, it seems to me to be simply ludicrous to suggest that such men, without learning, without any influence or authority, without any money behind them, with none of the means or propaganda that we are familiar with today, that such men by their own efforts and abilities could succeed in doing what we read on the pages of this book. How did it come about? There's only one answer. The world was turned upside down, not because of what they did, but because of what God did to them and in them by the means of them. You see, human movements, they lose momentum. Popularity fades. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you in your family or someone you know has a fidget spinner in your home. But I'd be willing to bet that a lot of you no longer have a pet rock. Passions give way to new ideas. Energy fades. But what sustains us? What sustains you? Why are you here worshiping today? Is it to fulfill an obligation? 
to hang out with friends. But what if, what if God wants something more today? What if God, by gathering you and I to worship together, wants to, on this Pentecost Sunday, speak and do something supernatural in us and through us, like he has throughout all of history? Do you believe it? Are you ready for it? Do you even want it? Well, Jesus is speaking a few months before this first Pentecost about the, uh, the coming of the Spirit. And he's talking at another festival, the Festival of Tabernacles. It's a harvest festival. And Jesus is uh, talking to them on the last day of the festival. The pinnacle day where they remember God's faithfulness to them. Where they march around the city seven times remembering how God ushered them in to the promised land in the city of Jericho where the walls fell outward, not inward from an incoming army, but outward because of God's mighty work. Notice it's outward. By By the way, archaeologists tell us It's outward. It's a testimony to God's mighty work. And they would sing and shout from Isaiah, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. They have gone to the water gate and carrying water and remembering their salvation. And Jesus is saying to us, are you thirsty? Do you want something that will last? Jesus is saying, do you want something that's supernatural, more than just these buckets of water that you carry? Not just the faithfulness that you remember today, but something that will be eternal? And so he tells us, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water when you believe in him, when the Spirit comes, the Spirit that they were waiting for. That Spirit, that Holy Spirit, is here now. On this Pentecost Sunday, a Holy Spirit who intervenes in human history, in your history, in my history, from creation, the forming of creation, to Abraham and Isaac and Rebecca and Jacob and Rahab and David and all the rest, and the apostles, God intervenes. We hear in it. The book of Acts today, the mighty works of God. Well, those works are still at work. A Pentecost celebration, as Barclay writes, that still hasn't come to the end. The Holy Spirit is still garnering us into his kingdom. But God doesn't work in some fantasy. He works in real life. As another commentator put it, his peace, his shalom, doesn't simply mean the absence of trouble. It means everything which makes for our highest good. You see, the peace that the world offers is just an escape. But the peace that that comes from Jesus is a victory over death. You see, no experience in this life can overcome that promise. Hear this. God's peace is independent of external circumstances. God's promise and His Holy Spirit is with us despite our circumstances. Whether we are living in a home with broken relationships, or life is hard and feels like it's falling apart, 
or you see the hardships in our city or in our state or in our world as we hear of another attack in London. And you wonder, is the Holy Spirit really present? But you see, the promise of God is independent of external circumstances. God is coming to be with us, to intervene, because God is for us. And, as, and when we talked about the Holy Spirit a couple weeks ago, we heard that this paraclete, this Greek word, means the called in one. The Holy Spirit is called in. Why? Because we need him. Because the world needs him. And the brokenness of our lives and of this world are a testimony to our need for the Holy Spirit who is called in to be with us, to convict us, to call us, to empower us, to comfort us. God is not Santa Claus who gives us everything we want. or He's not just uh, the, or, uh, uh, the order of, of religious studies or an order of ceremony. He is a God who speaks to us personally by the power of the Holy Spirit in languages that people could understand in their own language. And God speaks to us in our own language still today. Christianity is not just a philosophy, not just a religion. God didn't just create us and then leave the wheels in motion like a deist would confess. He intervenes. We're a fellowship of those who follow Jesus, a God who acts in human history and still is acting yet today. We believe, confess, and live by a supernatural God who acts supernaturally in the midst of this natural world that he has created. And he can do that because he's Lord over it. It's the exact opposite of a God who's abandoned us or who's not active. On that first Pentecost, when the church was born, God acted and intervened personally. And you better believe he's still doing that today. You see, those disciples weren't getting together that day to make resolutions on what they might say to the emperor about how uh, he should get out of Jerusalem or what he should do next. No, they weren't protesting anything. They were there proclaiming proclaiming not of themselves, but what they had received. These ragtag bunch of disciples, they weren't highly educated, but they were taking a step of faith, a step of faith from their family business into the call of God. The fact that we're still here talking about that message, preached yet still today, is a testimony of the work of the Holy Spirit. It was just 50 days since Passover. 50 days since the disciples were in hiding. 50 days since Peter denied Christ. Now he's giving the sermon of his life. 50 days since the world went dark and now it's lit on fire by the Spirit and the Word of God, His voice, His ruah, the Hebrew says, God speaking just as He spoke us into life, into creation. And so in 50 days, God transformed the disciples and sent them back into the world with his power. And he's still preaching today. He's still calling today. He's still empowering you and I today. You and I are invited, challenged 
to participate in this great work. We don't have to wait for the Spirit. In our baptism, in our baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit. As we celebrate Danielle's baptism today, she'll receive the power of the Holy Spirit, full and complete. We don't have to wait. But if we try to do it with our own steam, remember, human movements, they come to an end. Number one songs get forgotten. But God's Holy Spirit, His testimony, continues through the ages. I read a story about what happens when we try to do it on our own, how futile it is, how empty our work is. It's about a farmer who noticed a highway department truck pulling over on the shoulder of the road near where his land was. One guy got out and dug a hole. Another guy got out after this guy went back in the truck and filled up that hole. Then they went 50 yards down and did it again. And then 50 yards down and did it again. Finally, the farmer had to come over and see what these two guys were doing. He said, what is going on? What are you guys doing? He said, well, we're, we're a part of a city beautification program here on the roadside. Uh, it's just that the guy who plants the trees is sick today. Sets in in a moment, I know. <laughs> but that's how futile our work is without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. The world needs Him. We need Him. And He speaks to us personally and is working supernaturally in you and through you. Hughes writes that in applying this to our own lives, we must realize that there's an intimate connection between being filled with the Spirit and being filled with the Word of God. Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So being in the Word leads you back to Christ's promise, and the Holy Spirit unpacks that Word for us. The Word and the Spirit work together to transform us and to lead us. Make no mistake, God is working supernaturally today to bring about His peace, His shalom, regardless of the external circumstances we are facing. Because we no longer have to wait for that Spirit. He is in us. The living waters of our baptism, He has brought the promise. And we can, with Isaiah, remember this promise and shout it and sing it all our days long with joy. You will draw water from the wells of salvation. And with Joel and the prophets and Jesus, we can remember this promise today. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen.